0: Uh, pastor of um, uh, Sunshine Baptist Church in Pakatane, Pastor Louis Thank you Okay, Two passages of scripture. I know it will be popping up here. And I know how easy it is to get used to this up here because I did when I was sitting in the back. It's very easy
1: to get used to it being on the screen. I to challenge you
0: to have this with you. If you do have your Bible with you, turn to First of all, Jeremiah chapter 32. And if you have your Bible and a bookmark, put one in Luke chapter 10. I'll be in those two passages primarily this morning. Chomping at the bit to preach. My job today is I want to bring down our theme down to our level, uh, the context of the theme, and then bring it into application for us of uh, this year. God's given us some wonderful themes over the 10 years. And uh, this year, I've just been, in, been impressed with prayer, and it's kind of went straight from the uh, pastor's conference into this, had such a uh, connection on what prayer is all about. Um, you may hear some things that's similar. I'm like, he preached my message. <laughs> uh, so keep listening and keep it up. But when God brings something back to you a second time and another preacher, uh, you can be guaranteed. We have not none of the preachers ever that sit in any of these pulpits in an independent fundamental Baptist church. Um, we don't knock heads or get together and see what we want to preach. We don't tell each other what we're preaching. It's between us and the Spirit of God, guided by whatever theme um, that is there. So if it comes to you two times, same passage or same anything, God's got something important for you. Uh, latch on to it um, the best that you can. I thank you guys for all of your support. I thank you for my, your prayers from my back. I appreciate the question. Didn't, you didn't bring your black pad up this week. Um, I'd like to say that I intentionally didn't, but I did forget it. Um, I'll be in Australia anyway, so I couldn't travel with it, but um, this is the first year that I have been pain-free through the summer. A lot of little odds and ends still happening. I stepped off a curb and a step odd, and uh, it jarred my back, so I'm having some pains, but it's not a you got to take heavy pain meds pain. Um, uh, um, Last February, I woke up and no more um, codeine. Uh, no more anything like that cause I just woke up one day and the fusion must have taken overnight, finally, after three years. Um, and once it took, I woke up, I was like, Where's the pain at? Uh, nothing's happening. Um, so I was very gentle. And throughout the next few months, um, my wife had seen me step easily off of a step. To do you hurt? Because she saw me stepping easy, thinking I'm stepping easy because I was um, hurting. I said, Oh, I'm babying it. (laughs) We spent a lot on this thing. We got like seven years invested in this fusion. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, This coming year, as I've gotten through some other issues this past year, I'm going to start working on the core muscles. And prayerfully, I won't need my black pad again. And uh, I can get back to life, what it was like before 2017, (laughs) physically speaking. So thank you very much for your prayers Um, uh, and being here with us in the soul and your Bible. You guys have been faithful through A lot of preaching um in the past few days you're still faithful here stick it out um do what you can to sacrifice to be here and see what god has for you the encouragement um even though you have all the tools and even though you are faithfully out there soul winning queen street is not nothing new to you just because we brought the soul winning revival Letterboxing isn't something you're doing just this week because we're passing through with a lot of resources. You're faithful through the year. So this revival is not coming through to be a rebuke unless God has a point for you that needs to be rebuked. It's also here just to keep us fired up, um, keep us motivated, keep our fuel uh, tank filled up um, and not let it go to empty um, throughout this next year. And the amount of gospel tracts that we put out is unbelievable. Um, Our church started. 40,000 tracks a year is what we were putting out. And then our church just had the burden. Let's get them out to other churches. You guys latched on. Everyone latched on. And now last year we did 350,000 tracks. This year we have 500,000. And they're only going out because you're putting them out. We may still do our 40 on a good year if we won't do 500. Um, but all that's going out is because everyone's getting a hold of it. And souls are being saved as a result. Praise God. I got the report of the souls saved yesterday. Um, another one the other day. And no telling how many other ones get saved. And I'll have that in my uh, an example. We don't have the booklet right now um, that for this session. If you want to scribble some notes, that's fine. So pay attention because this afternoon when, the, when we have the booklet, I'll rewind back. Make sure that we have um, our fill in the blanks. Um, But regardless, the booklet I design each year has the answers in the back anyway. Uh, So if you're following along, if you're scribbling a few notes, you're going to have the answers to fill in the blanks, blanks, and use that booklet to help us in the theme this year is Call Unto Me. And the theme is prayer. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So this is our prayer and our soul winning efforts as a born-again believer this year. Um, And this is a favorite verse for Christians. We latch on to it but let's see what the context is the direct context and the direct application uh, during this session in the next session as a born-again believer our call of god is to witness the gospel of jesus christ uh, that's your job uh, why else did god did god leave us here it's for us to keep getting the gospel of jesus christ down this entails getting the message from our heart to the hearts of the lost you're going to leave here stirred up you leave stirred up every year after the soul-winning revival Um, After your family camps, after different events where the preaching has hit you in the heart, you come stirred up. Now what we need to do is take this and put it out to a lost and dying world. There are many effective soul winning plans out there. and We've presented many. Uh, Pastor Leatherman had one we've had in our booklet. There's a lot of excellent materials, the Sword of the Lord and some other ministries, David Cloud. Excellent soul winning plans. There's many of them out there, plenty of plans. We can practice them. We can work on our responses to objections. So we kind of have an idea how to respond when someone uh, would say their particular religion or they've done this or God does not want me all kinds of objections that are out there. We can do all of this, but we have to be careful of one thing. All of these plans, they put us in danger. They can put us in danger. If all that we are doing is memorizing a plan, we can be in danger of it not coming from our heart, not coming from our heart. Now, that does not negate the power of the word of God in that plan. The God's word is powerful. And when you give out that plan, you give out the Romans road, you give out John's road, you go through David Cloud's method, you go through the uh, the soul winning program from Sword of the Lord, what David, uh, Pastor Leatherman has put in, whatever it is, your pastor has something, you walk through a gospel track. The power of God unto salvation is not in us in the first place. Yeah. It's not right here. But as we put that power out, you know what God does? He charges our heart. He goes after our heart. He challenges our heart. He said in First Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, but as we are allowed of God, allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, we're just allowed to have that. It's not up to us. It doesn't. God does not require us, but we're allowed to be put in trust of the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which does what? Try Whose heart? Our heart. He's trying our heart. Their heart needs the gospel, and regardless of the condition of our heart, regardless if we're just doing it out of repetition or just doing it out of a gotta be there, regardless of our heart, the power of God unto salvation will still save a soul. But as we put that out, he's trying our heart. Our hearts do not remove the power of God's word to save. However, as with every aspect of our earthly ministry, soul winning efforts, they can be presented powerlessly. They can be presented uh, or they can be presented with great power as we become, uh, uh, as we are are, are God's earthen vessels to put the gospel out. This power that we put out when when it comes from our lips and from our heart, it has power to do one of two things. Draw a soul to listen to the message or cause a soul to walk away from the message. It doesn't negate, doesn't eliminate the power of the gospel, but it has a lot of power on reception of the gospel as well as a lot of power in our own hearts. And uh, uh, when God challenges or tries our heart, Paul taught the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number five about the empowerment of how God's word as our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. We need that power. We have it right here. We have it in our heart. Now that power needs to come out and go out to a lost and dying world to obtain this power and to maintain this power, this Holy Ghost power and soul winning. It requires us to bathe our efforts, our soul winning efforts in prayer. We have to pray. If we are not praying, it's not going to eliminate the power of the Word of God to save a soul, but it's going to eliminate the power that we have—the power of the Holy Ghost—and it's going to ultimately challenge our eternal rewards as a born again as a born again believer. Um, Intercession booklet now in Jeremiah thirty three. I want to get into the context of what this is about. Why I picked Jeremiah thirty three and verse number three—very popular verse. We all like this verse. Uh, but what was it all about? Go back to Jeremiah thirty two and verse two. For the context leading up to it, in Jeremiah 32 and verse number two, the Babylonian army had surrounded Jerusalem uh, to besiege to besiege Jerusalem. It said, "And then the king of Babylon, the king of Babylon's army, besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king uh, in the king of Judah's house." Um, at the end of verse number three, God said that He would give Jerusalem to the Babylonians. And the reason he was giving it to the Babylonians is to judge them for their sins. At the end of verse number uh, 32 and verse 3 it says, thus, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the, Babylon, of the king of Babylon and he shall take it. Now the king now of Judah was furious. His name Zedekiah. He's infuriated and he really wanted to go out and he wanted to shoot the messenger. You ever been up here and the message was presented to you, Brother uh, Garraway uh, bro- uh, uh, what's his Brother Belcher, (laughs) uh, Pastor uh, codilla. as the message goes out and when it besieges your heart and it just surrounds you and it starts to convict you and it wants to take over your heart, it infuriates you. You get mad. You get upset. I don't want that. And this is where the king of of Judah, Zedekiah, was. He wanted to shoot the messenger. So he then takes, he couldn't get rid of uh, the prophet. So he throws the prophet in prison. He tosses tosses him into prison. At the beginning of verse number three, it says, For Zedekiah king of Judah had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy? Well, why? Let me ask you. Wherefore doth... Pastor Belcher, preach and prophesy. Wherefore doth Pastor Codilla preach and prophesy the word of God to you? He's following the mandate of God. He's went under the Holy Spirit power of God to give you what God knows that you need to have your heart besieged to turn to where God needs you to be in his ministry and his work and his efforts. Zedekiah was afraid. Zedekiah was afraid that Jeremiah in his preaching as the messenger, the man of God, was afraid that he was going to discourage the people. Discouraged Jerusalem Zedekiah was ready to give up Jerusalem he did not want to die he wanted to go to the Babylonians and he was infuriated then he was discouraged at the people uh, or Jeremiah's preaching would cause an insurrection and your heart needs an insurrection today your heart needs to defy the flesh that's around it today that you can go out and you can give the best soul winning efforts that God would have for you today and that's what's happening right here with Jerusalem at, at this point Jeremiah though as he's thrown into prison, as the king wants to shoot the messenger, as the king is utterly discouraged that Jeremiah is going to bring an insurrection amongst the people to go up against the king of Judah, Zedekiah, to continue to fight against the Babylonians, throws them in prison, and what does Jeremiah do? For the remainder of Jeremiah chapter number 32, Jeremiah from inside a prison continues to preach the word of God, continues to rebuke the king, rebuke the children of Israel, and do what God called him to do. It doesn't matter where God puts you as a preacher and as a man of God. If this world or if the church kicks you out, ties you up, puts you into prison, our job, our mandate, and our call is to continue to go out and soul win with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep the gospel flowing. This brings us into Jeremiah chapter number 33 in verse number one. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the what time? The second time. So this came to Jeremiah one time already. While he was yet shut up in the prison uh, in the court of the prison. So we will stop right there in verse number one and verse number one. One of the world's greatest promises given to us as believers now has come out of this incident with Jeremiah. He was just preaching the gospel or the the deliverance of the children of Israel. He was just preaching and rebuking what God had given him to take out to the children of Israel. What they needed that they can defeat the sin in their life that's ready to be judged as God's allowing the city to go go into the hands of the Babylonians. We get one of the greatest promises. And this promise came to us, Jeremiah 33 and verse number 3. It came to us out of Jeremiah's darkest moment. It came out of a dreary prison cell. It came to us from a place of extreme persecution while the man of God continued to preach God's glorious message of salvation and deliverance. That's right where it was. And that brings us up to the theme verse. We're living in a similar day today. We take the gospel of Jesus Christ out. What does the world want to do? Shoot the messenger. They don't want nothing to do with us. And that's what we're going to kind of walk through and look at how that context comes to us in application. So my thoughts and my prayers in selecting this theme as I pulled it together, studying the context and the application around Jeremiah 33 and verse number three, this verse is far more than a feel-good verse for us. It's far more than something to be slapped on the refrigerator and just encourage us as we're drifting by one day or we open it up to get something cold to drink that day. This is more than that in our just seemingly everyday persecutions just in this flesh. In direct context, and we've read the direct context, this verse deals with the salvation of Israel. The deliverance of Israel. And the soul winner being Jeremiah, the one preaching that salvation, that deliverance, he was being persecuted for preaching the truth of God's salvation and deliverance. This verse comes from the darkest and dreariest points in his life. The king now is ready to shoot him, to kill him, but shuts him up in the prison, applying it us to us now in our dispensation. This is the church age. We need to bring this up to us. What does this mean to us, to the church today? Soul winners. Soul winners today are continuously in the depths of persecution. It's taken out a lot of men. It's discouragement. It could be just the mildest little word that someone says to you. The snide comment that someone says. It could be a close relative. It could be your husband, your wife, someone where the dagger just digs deep. Some form of persecution. Nowhere near what uh, uh, Jeremiah was going through. Nothing near what he went through in a dark, dreary prison. But we still face persecutions today as the devil knows how to push your buttons. He knew how to push Jeremiah's buttons. He had to be thrown all the way into prison. And we know around the world today, there's buttons that have to be pushed because there's preachers around the world that's in prison around this world for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got it easy here in New Zealand. We've got it easy in the United States of America. We've got freedom to preach. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom to get it out. But then comes that little bit of persecution of whispers in our ear and discourages us from going back out. He's, we just got shot as a messenger. How is this brought now to us? And what are we to do about this? We're under a continuous amount of persecution in one way or another we're surrounded by the darkness of this world we are opposed by the very gates of hell today according to uh, what Jesus had preached this year's preaching now all the preaching is going to be about the necess- necessity of our prayer and our soul-winning efforts we need prayer. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for our soul winners. They out there that need to be born again. They need to pray. They need to call upon the Lord. But this is for us. We need to be out there. And if we're not bathed in prayer, we are not getting from the seats. We're not getting from this message to taking it out faithfully out into a lost and dying world. We today, So we're going to be wrapping around preaching our efforts as the prince and the power of the air tries his best to shut us up. Just like the king, King Zedekiah did to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter number 32. This prayer now, it relies on God, just like Jeremiah did. It relies on God's promises, just like Jeremiah 33 gives to us. And in direct context of Jeremiah 33, 3, that is all about soul winning application today that verse is a soul winning verse for us today as it was for jeremiah when he was shut up into the prison so we're going to have this prayer that we're uh, preaching prayer that relies on god on his promise to answer us and to show us the absolute greatest and the absolute mightiest thing that he can ever do for us today is allow us to witness him saving a soul We're only entrusted with the gospel. It doesn't matter how raunchy our heart is. It doesn't matter how much we want to quit on God. It doesn't matter how much we just read a a one, two, three uh, lesson plan. It doesn't matter what we do. If we include the word of God, we don't have the power to save a soul. We are only entrusted with that. And that trust allows us to be rewarded. That word, it goes out. That is what's going to save a soul. We need prayer for us that we continue to get that word out and get it out to a lost and dying world. So my points, to, on the, and the I have a three-point outline. I'll just be a few more minutes real quick to try and get through this first point, and we'll look at the rest this afternoon. The first point, um, and it, you don't have to take notes, it'll be in your outline, but this one is God's procedure. God's procedure, in Jeremiah 33 and verse number three. It says, call unto me, call unto me. That call unto me is going to be my first point. And this is God's procedure for us to call. This Hebrew word for call means to cry out. Cry out. God's procedure for us. Not in the midst of our everyday persecutions, which we do need to. There's other verses to cry unto God when we're distressed, when we're persecuted. I'm talking about the direct context and application to this verse, to us today. In our soul winning efforts, we need to cry out unto God. We need to be calling unto him and crying out unto him. If we're going to reach the loss with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we got to be obedient to this very first command that God gave to Jeremiah. And how many times did God bring this to Jeremiah? It came to him the second time. How many times does God have to remind you what you need to be doing? How many times does God have to remind me you need to pray? How many times do we have to remind, be reminded to go out there? It never happens the first time. I've got, I've got two girls. They do something naughty. And I tell them, one, I like to be the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, when it comes to our uh, God trying to deal with our heart, the very first thing that happens to us, He doesn't take us straight to scourging, to the whippings and everything else in our life. He comes as that still small ways. He says, you shouldn't be doing that. Imagine if we just listened to the still small voice every time something happens. Our girls, they do something. You know what I would love to do when they were, they're, they're in college now or university. When they are little, I would have loved to say, you shouldn't do that. And then they never did it again. Did you ever do that? <laughs> Mommy and daddy tell you not to do something. How often did it always go to a second time? It went from that still small voice to, don't do that. <laughs> And then you start getting out to the scourging and everything else. we got to be, what? And where I come from, it's called bloodshed and a woodshed. <laughs> you just start getting the, the I, I won't tell you, I, I can't tell you what all we did. Because, you know, it's an anti-spanking country. I can't tell you how many times um, they'd be soaked in the bathtub and other things. <laughs> how many times God gets us because the first time it comes to us, we don't do nothing about it. This is the second time. God has Jeremiah in prison now. And the message came to us a second time, pray, call unto me, call on me. I'm here ready to answer. And in direct application, this is about soul winning. Jeremiah, soul winning to Israel. One day they're going to have their deliverance as a nation in the millennial reign of Christ. To us in application today, this is our soul winning. We need to call out. So our very first thing is God's procedure. The context is preaching deliverance to Israel. The application is the church preaching the gospel. Go to Luke chapter number ten. I'm going to walk through these verses quickly, quickly, because you're going to have these to look at as quick as I can. Luke chapter number ten, where Jesus gives what, how to call out, what all needs to be done. There's five points right here, and I want to just list them for you real quick, and maybe give one or two illustrations, and be done. And we'll go go on and look at this again this evening. In Luke chapter ten, verse number one, what do we do? How are we to cry out? What are we supposed to do? And Crying out for our soul-winning efforts in Luke ten chapter or Luke chapter ten, I won't read the verses directly because I'll read them as I get to the point to save a little time. But here Jesus is commanding his disciples to go out, and a part of the first thing in this command is the four-letter word pray. It is pray. Um, so in my five points now, if we're going to pray in verse number one, two, and three, our prayer needs to be first of all for our preparation, for our preparation. When Jesus sent the 70, to 70 out uh, to prepare the way for the gospel, to be going to what prepare the way for the gospel, he commanded them to pray. Verse number, um, uh, verse number two. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. What's the next word? Pray. Pray. But then it says, Pray ye what? Pray ye. Therefore. Therefore, if you're a student of the word of God, and I trust we're all students of the word of God. Whenever you find a therefore in the word of God, the very first thing you should think of is what is the therefore therefore? Why is the therefore therefore? Well, you get the answer to pray ye therefore just in the previous phrase. And the pray ye therefore in the previous phrase is that we have to be preparing because there is a great job that's ahead of us. You know, the harvest truly is what? Great. Truly is great. We can't do nothing in and of ourselves. It's too great of a job for us. We can go out and hand out tracks on Queen Street. We can letterbox. We can put God's word out. And when God's word goes out, we're promised it's not going to return void. But us as being his earthen vessels today, it takes a lot of prayer to motivate us. It takes a lot of prayer to motivate you just to be in the house of God. It takes a lot of prayer to motivate us to get into the word of God and to get in just sort our of daily prayer. We need to be praying because the mission is great. We have, a, we have a great preparation that we are supposed to be doing right now. And our preparation begins and ends with prayer. So that therefore, what pray ye therefore, it shows us that there is a great work ahead of us. In verse number 1, 2, and 3, we pray for our preparation. Or excuse me, in verse number 3 also, we pray for our protection. Pray for our protection. Verse 3 says, Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the uh, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into your harvest. Verse number three: Go ye, uh, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among what the wolves. the wolves. Lambs among the wolves. Have you ever been physically assaulted, soul winning? Oh, I have. I I was decked to the ground once down in Palmerston North. Physically assaulted. Have you ever been spiritually assaulted while you're soul winning? Anyone? I think we've all been spiritually. Both of these to some extent, they're going to happen if we are not preparing ourselves and praying to the Lord. We have to be ready for this to happen. We need our protection from the dangers that are out there. Wolves in sheep's clothing. The number one soul winning uh, uh, attack is wolves in sheep's clothing today. They're going to be there before you even step out to hand out the first gospel tract. They're going to be attackers and discouragers of you. They're going to throw out words, which I toss out words, and I trust that you're going to understand what these words mean. Words like easy believism. And you've heard it a few times. The gospel is easy to believe. But there are things that we need to do to be thorough in our presentation of the gospel. But even as thorough as we are in the presentation of the gospel, when these lazy words, Wolves and sheep's clothing. These bones start to look at us from the outside in. They see four souls saved yesterday. They're going to think that was easy. believism. and what did you do? How did you get so many saved? Why do they say how? How could you get four people saved in what at one moment? How could they say that? Because they never get it. They're not out there doing a job. All they are are the critics, and they're out there to spiritually attack. So we need the protection, uh, uh, spiritual protection, from the wolves and sheep's clothing. The next one in uh, uh, verse number, give me a second, my notes, give me a second, uh, number three, the point number three in verse number four, point number three in verse number four, It said, uh, it is that we need to have the provision of God. The provision of God in verse number four, verse number four, it says, carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And this doesn't mean we're not supposed to take things with us. In direct context, he's speaking to men, you know, speaking to his disciples, those that he is—he's providing along the way. This is not telling us not to go out and just do do nothing and not earn our keep as we go. But it is an illustration to us and the disciples, the, set, the those that were sent, the seventy sent out, that we have to trust God for the provision uh, for the provision that we have uh, to get our soul-winning efforts out there. God is going to provide for you physically. God is going to provide for you spiritually. We just need to keep keep pressing forward. And God is the one and trust him that he opens up the doors. You're not going to see 100 people saved when you hand out 100 gospel tracts. I handed out 100 gospel tracts here in Auckland before I saw one soul saved the other day. That's 1%. 1% can get pretty discouraging. But you know what's more discouraging than that? When I hand out 100 tracts and 80 people get saved. That's discouraging. You know how that's discouraging? Because there's I, I trust there's 80 people out there that got saved that I never heard about. I hand out a gospel tract. They're getting saved. I never hear about it. You know what we need? We need fruit for our labors. We get an encouragement. When one soul is saved, that fires me up to hand out another hundred gospel tracts. But what if I never hear about that one? What if I never hear about the one that's saved? If I'm not prayed up and all that I am looking for are results, I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to quit. That's a spiritual attack of Satan. That's a lie of the devil today to keep you off of the streets today. Let me give an illustration. I'm going to stop on this point, by the way. Um, I'll stop on this point for sake of time, but let me give this illustration. Um, We put out $40,000 tracks in Pakitani, and we only have 5,000 homes. Um, you've got a lot more up here, and I know you do, probably as much as I do. And you probably cover all of Auckland and never return to the same house in your your life, and still do 40,000. Keep going out. Well, we hit all of our houses about four times a year letterboxing. That's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort. We put out 3,000 gospel tracts this past year in our Christmas parade. We go to the events. We go downtown. Um, with it all together, I estimated on a good year we're 40,000 gospel tracts. On a bad year. Uh, my back was out and all. We still did about 20. Um, so, you know, kind of run the ball. But when I get going and everyone's going, we do 40. That is a lot of work. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of gospel tracks, year after year after year. And no one new comes into the pew. No one new gives me a call. We're the only calls. I get a call. There was a gospel track. A lady gave me a ring. She said, "Why you called? Me? Why did you call me a sinner?" Okay, When did I call you a sinner? You put this thing in my letterbox. Called me a sinner. So I said, okay, what does it look like? So I knew what all I'm letterboxing with. I pulled out the track. And I said, where does it show me I was a sinner? Can you start from the beginning? So I had her walking through that gospel track. It was the very end of the gospel track. So apparently she read from the beginning to the very end. So she got God's word hidden in her heart right there. Then she just starts with, every word and something I may not have heard of before, (laughs) telling me what she thought that I called her a sinner. I said, ma'am, I did not call you a sinner. I said, God calls us all a sinner. I was able to verbally confront her with the gospel of Jesus Christ. She got as irate as anything and clicked there went to phone those are the kind of phone calls your pastor will get because you're handing your letterbox and you never hear that. You may hear him say, boy, someone got saved today because of a gospel track. They're sitting back there to back you welcome them today after you put out 40,000 gospel tracks. But he doesn't tell you that 10,000 phone calls came along the way where they were cursing and swearing and wanting to come get you and want to do something. So one lady called me and had flames on the front of it. She said, my grandson is having nightmares now. He thinks he's in hell. Literally, the grandmother's telling me this from a gospel track. And all he did was pick it up and take it to the house from the letterbox. It was just reading the front cover of it. They're reading our gospel tracts out there. Things are happening in their heart. But when we don't get a response, if we're not careful, if we're only out for the numbers and we do want numbers. I'd love to see 3,000, 4,000 say God is interested in numbers. I'd like to take them all down. If I can, that's encouraging to us. That is. But what happens when they don't come out? We can get discouraged, and that's a spiritual attack of Satan. Here's my illustration, a young Maori lady I led to the Lord. Uh, well, a God, let me rephrase that. A young Maori lady, a gospel track letter to the Lord. Uh, she gives me a ring, her name's Chastity. She's in Hamilton right now. I was talking to some of the ladies from Hamilton um, yesterday that were visiting to get the number, make sure that they're still in contact. So she's in church in Hamilton right now with Percy, her partner, um, but she gives me a ring. But um, and I get gospel track rings all the time. So she uh, picks up the phone, I pick up the phone, talk to her. And uh, she was just sounded to me like she was irate, but she was really emotional for what just happened in her life from the gospel track. And she started telling me about this soggy moldy old gospel track she found in her letterbox. Well, I guess I don't get any good phone calls. Very few. i thought my first thing, okay, here goes the defenses. How am I going to defend why we keep putting stuff in her letterbox? Well, she starts to tell me then and, and talk to me about it. She said, I woke up this morning and I was going to kill myself. Kill myself. She was suicidal. She had been suicidal for several days for, or for several weeks. Just throwing up her arms. She wanted to quit. And then she said, I pulled out this old moldy track, this piece of paper leaflet out of the letterbox. And on the front of it, it said, it is finished. One of the tracks that you guys put out from Hope Track Ministry, it is finished, has cross right on the front. She read that gospel track. She was looking through that gospel track, um, and apparently it had been there for a long time. If you let, well, we letterbox our town so many times in a year, uh, four times in a year, I'll see last time's gospel track still sitting in someone's letterbox. Sometimes they're piling up. People don't want them, they just leave them there or they go to the rubbish bin. So this thing had been in there for long enough that it was moldy, soggy, but she read the gospel track and she did what the track said. She was calling to tell me. Um, she wanted to know what should I what, what I should what I should what she should do next. She wanted to tell me all of this about that gospel tract and she got saved. Um, what am I saying? Physically God provides for your church and for my church. He has physically supplied us with gospel tracts. Physically, God provides us with the strength. He's strengthening my body after my injuries. He strengthens you that you can go out. I didn't go out on Queen Street. I wanted to go out on Queen Street, but I was like, "I can't. My back hurts." I didn't go out with you. God still saves souls because of you. Because of the Gospel Track, He is supplying physically. He supplies spiritually. You had great strength and you had great zeal to go out there. God provides. He opens up marvelous doors and ways we may not know. You put in, if, if all that you do is letterbox, letterbox. I can't go down to Queen Street and talk to someone. I'm afraid to put it in someone's hand. If you own a letterbox, I wonder how many chastities are out there today. I wonder how many. I said one of the biggest discouraging things about putting out 100 gospel tracts is 80 people getting saved. The discouragement is not 80 people getting saved. It's me not hearing that 80 people got saved. That, that we need that we need to be pumped up. We need to be motivated. And this illustration and many others that I have, it lets us know that people are getting saved from that track you put in their letterbox. God is supplied. He supplies spiritually, but your zeal's going to go down. Your strength is gonna go down. Your body strength physically is gonna go down. We need to bathe all of this and bathe all of this in in prayer, in prayer to get out and do the gospel the gospel message of God, the, the gospel that God has for us. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 30 and 31. And I'll close with this thought. Acts 16, 30, and 31. Don't let people get get you discouraged. Some people look at these verses. And they're going to say that this is just easy believism. They're going to look at these verses and they're going to say, well, you don't have to have repentance in your plan of salvation because it's not mentioned in this. Paul said, what did Paul tell the Philippian jailer he had to do? Believe. He didn't say you've got to understand sin. You've got to understand that Jesus died for your sin. He didn't say that you had to trust what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. He didn't say you had to repent of your sin. He said one word. One word was believe. Now, if you just take that at face value, then you're going, to, you're going to remove everything else from your soul winning efforts. Everything. You get discouraged by someone telling you that someone doesn't have to repent. There's people not going to get saved. You want people to discourage you and say, this is easy believism, so I'm not going to use um, Acts chapter 16 anymore because it's just easy believism. You're going to be discouraged, and you're not going to continue for, continue forward. This is far from easy believism. Let me ask you, when you go down to Queen Street, and you preach on Queen Street, how long, what time frame might be the longest you get to present? On average, you get to present the gospel. I would say maybe five minutes. That would be a good, a good average. If you can get someone to stop for five minutes, you've spent five minutes giving the gospel. And that five minute time frame, you've got to be able to give them what sin is about. The destiny because you're a sinner. Hell. The payment of sin, which is Christ. The repentance of your sin and faith in the lord jesus christ you've got to get all of that out in five minutes it's not just believe it's not just believe as in this verse understand this now paul was not five minutes with this philippian jailer i would venture to say he was six hours six hours the previous day he had been preaching on the street he'd been uh given the gospel out uh cast out a demon of a young lady he then was taken to the court court system in the court system, they stripped them, they whipped them, they scourged them. After that, they put them into prison. So this would have to have been before the close of business. I would say definitely he was in. I would say he was in prison about six p.m. It just seems logical. Well, at midnight is when the earthquake happened. When the jailer turned around and said, "What must I do to be saved?" What was Paul doing for six hours? Easy believism, shallow gospel. For six hours, the, 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 the presentation of the gospel was so strong, all of those prisoners were born again. They would have no doubt, I don't think Paul would have been shallow in his gospel presentation, do you? Take your head, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He, he went for six hours. He preached the gospel. They sang the gospel. Paul and Silas singing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would have went through who Christ is. He would have went through what sin is about. He would have went through the blood. He would have went through repentance. And now the Philippian jailer turns to him and says, "What must I do to be saved?" Paul isn't no fool. Paul seen repentance in his eyes. He had already fallen down. He was already at, if you want to do one, two, three, I'll do like step five is believe. He was already at step four. He had already done step one, two, three, four, all the way down. All he had to do was believe. You know how easy that was? It was instantaneous. That's what easy believism is. Truthfully, it's so easy to believe what God did for us. But it's not shallow believism. It's not shallow presenting the gospel. If We're not careful. We will fall into shallow presentation if we're not bathing it all in prayer, all in prayer. So we have to pray for our protection. We have to pray for our, pray for our provision. Uh, so it's very simple. It's not shallow. Paul was not shallow. We'll go on further this afternoon. I won't go through all of this booklet this evening, but I've got the answers in the booklet as well. Um, so, you can catch up. I, there's only like four fill in the blanks up to the point that I was at now. And I think there's 20 fill in the blanks. Uh, but I trust you'll take this uh, as a resource and help you to become the best soul winner because you learn to bathe it in prayer. You learn to call unto me. You learn to cry out to God for you. Not the sinner. We are doing that. There's other verses for that. But this is cry out to God for you and your soul winners that you can have the best efforts in what you're doing to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to. Thank you, brother. Amen. Praise Thank you very much, Pastor Howell. So that is the beginning of our um, the introduction to the soul-winning um, um, Bible as it is going.